time. There's something I need to talk with you about. Okay. I want a divorce. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Do you want me to make root beer floats? I'm not joking. What? What are you talking about? I'm divorcing you. What? I can't tell you how terrible it feels. Wait, why? Um, why? Why is this happening? Okay. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Forrest, things have been just as good between us as they've ever been. Well, what maybe there's something to be said for going out on a high note, you know? A, a high note? Uh, okay, are you are you seeing someone? No, I'm not seeing I'm really not. I wish I could tell you that I was. But... Okay, well then is it a midlife crisis or something? Because we could work on it together. Uh, I'll be here Why does there you? have to be a reason? Why? What? There has to be a reason, Forrest. Stop are... looking for a reason! We have to get divorced! Why? Enough of being married! No, this is very hard. This is really hard. This is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. You don't love me. That's it? No, I really do. I really do love you. Oh, my God, Eric. What are we going to do about oh. Eric? Yeah. Oh. He is not going to like this. He's not going to like it? That's the oh, answer? Okay. He's not going to oh, like oh, it? Oh, 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 oh. Okay. All right, look. People get divorced all the time. Don't touch me. You are going to die alone. Do you understand? I loved you more than anyone would love you. Yeah. You're weird, so get out of here. Well, I thought I would sleep on the couch. Do you know if there's any clean single I sheets? I want for you couch? out of here. Another month of J&K Presents as we are once again continuing with our theme of being canceled too soon. Tonight we are going to be reviewing the entire series of review, all 22 episodes, three seasons. Uh, a show that aired on Comedy Central is now on DVD and Paramount+. Plus. If you would like to catch up and come back and listen to what Kevin Ford and I have to say. Uh, Kevin Ford and I have done a number of other podcasts on this feed separately and together. You could go and listen to Superhero Pantheon. You can listen to From Broadcast Depth. There's always another podcast, Real Bad, Mars Investigated, and another podcast on this network being done by Matt Waters and Ben Phillips. Currently, there will be movies, the 1980s edition. They are off to a fantastic start reviewing movies like The Shining, Airplane, and Thief, uh, which are all really, really great choices uh, for their podcast. Please leave a four- or five-star review for The Real World on all podcasting platforms. You can find me on Twitter at JeromeC1985. You can find Kevin Ford at K413. Kevin, this is one of the shows. Like, when I, when you and I decided that we were going to do some podcasting together for The Real World, this is one of the shows that I really wanted us to talk about at some point. This and Halt and Catch Fire were, like, the two that went to the top of the list. And it is not because they were ever successful shows because they weren't, 
but because of the 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 tone and the themes and the fact that you and I did wrestling reviewing for so long, this this really truly felt like the perfect show for us to discuss at some. You know, I thought you were going to end the plugs for our Enter the Real World podcast by saying, "But are they any good?" And uh, nope, you didn't. You, you in the in this universe, you have not yet seen the write up that I'm sending to Matt Waters, which will. Oh no, <laughs> that's that's where that joke is going to come in. But I got it. Okay. What a fantastic opening. Like, just, it really, really sets the tone for the show in a spectacular way. Like, the the question of reviewing life and asking if it's any good, like, of course, somebody of that ilk is going to ask that question. It's just, it's a wonderful way to start. And I never skip the intro for that reason. Me neither, because the, the title cards of his past reviews, which they never replicate in the show, which I think is brilliant, there's some really funny gems in there. Okay, Kevin, so this is a question I was going to ask later, but I can ask this now. Which of those fake, fake reviews, quote unquote, did you want to see the most? Okay, so if you, it depends on which season, because if it was season two, I think Shoulder Parrot would have definitely been it, which he gave five stars. But then by the third one, the one that made me laugh the hardest I wanted to see was meeting your biggest fan. And he met his biggest fan when they were dead at their own funeral. So that might be the one I want to see. There's uh, there's there's just so much attached to, to both of those. I really like the riot one. I really wanted to see like how that all worked. Uh, there was uh, there was another one where he's a woman and he was just all like you couldn't see any any of his body. And I was like, well, clearly there's a story attached to that as well. But. Oh, and and the end one of that is babysitting, where it's a what's where it's you don't it's him with two police officers looking for the kid. Also great. All right, Kevin. Uh, so let's get into some of the background of of this show. Uh, Comedy Central has had a number of these pseudo reality scripted shows, and the ones that I'm thinking about are uh, this Nathan for You, uh, which was more successful, and Nathan Fielder has a follow-up show that I would strongly recommend people watch called The Rehearsal uh, that's on HBO Max. And in a lot of ways, I think is similar in tone to review. So Comedy Central, they actually used to be a TV network that that had some really interesting comedy as well. Key and Peele, of course, came, uh, got their kind of their, their mainstream start on that network with their very popular sketch show, as did Amy Schumer. So Comedy Central used to have shows that, you know, people actually watched. And just like all of basic cable, everything has basically gone to streaming. And with the exception of some new episodes of South Park and the daily show, comedy central is really not airing these kinds of programs anymore, which is unfortunate. I think because this is a really good show that really nobody watched, like of all the canceled too soon's, even though we did, uh, we we have talked about a couple streaming st- things. This is probably the least seen, at least on the on the live end of review of ratings. So, uh, unfortunately, this really did not get a lot of episodes, but at least it did get a proper ending. So we can kind of talk about it in that way, uh, Kevin. My relationship with the show is, I, I lived in China for a year. And this, that is when I caught up with the show. And I, in fact, I didn't watch the last three episodes live, but I, I watched them shortly thereafter through, uh, through means, which I will not discuss in case anybody's listening, but I think, I think, you know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you mean. Uh, so Kevin, what is, uh, what is your relationship with the show? None. I knew the show existed. I knew Andy Daly was the host and that is as much as I knew. I think, 
I had seen the pancakes like meme once or twice, but it's genuinely been years since I had seen anything about it. And it sort of fell to the wayside. And then when you had mentioned wanting to do it, it was definitely something of interest. And then a couple months ago, I was listening to a podcast that Lauren Lapkus and Nicole Byer do. Uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but they, it's it's essentially them being first time viewers of of popular movie franchises. So each episode, like they, they started with Lord of the Rings and each episode they have a guest who likes it. And I listened to, I believe it's Revenge of the Sith because then they did Star Wars next. They're doing the MCU now, things like that. And they had Andy Daly on the Revenge of the Sith episode and he was great. And he plugged the DVD for review at the end, which had just come out. And his, sort of his passion about the show and all those things made me on top of what you had told me made me really want to watch it. So I went and sight unseen purchased the DVD set because I knew it was something we were going to do. And this, so this is my first time watching any of it. Hadn't even seen like an isolated uh, review segment on YouTube or anything like that. So that's my experience with the show. It's pretty wild that you came in totally cold and didn't get any sp- and no spoilers either. Like you had no idea what was going on going into it. None. I, I mean, I knew he was a guy who reviewed things, but I didn't know what that exactly meant. So review is based off of an Australian show, and the Australian show is very much about the host kind of going into dark places himself and, and having a lot more agency. So tonally, it's just very different. If you go to YouTube, you can find some clips and some episodes I, I had a harder time watching it just because of the quality of the footage, of course, isn't very good since it it's a rip that's on YouTube. So your mileage is going to vary there. But I did happen to watch a little bit. And uh, there there is a payoff to that in in this uh, in this television show as well. So the conceit of the show is that Andy Daly is playing uh, Forrest McNeil. And Forrest McNeil just reviews life, and A.J. Gibbs generates random reviews from around the country, and that's what he does. So basically, there are two or three review segments in each episode. We are not going to go episode by episode, because that would be insane. Uh, I I do want to cover some of the major plot points. There are plot points, but I also want to talk about some of the other supporting players, Kevin, before we do that. So we have A.J., who is the co-host kind of a producer as well. Uh, we have executive assistant Lucille. For those of you who are looking for a comp, basically Forrest McNeil is to Lucille as Saul Goodman is to Francesca. Would you say that that is an appropriate relationship? It is, and I also think she's like a little bit Mike. I could definitely see that as well. But I, my favorite Lucille moment probably is the last episode when as soon as it's canceled, yes. she is out. <laughs> <laughs> she immediately starts packing up her desk. I mean, it's just, it's so great. Like, just immediately is just, like, checked out. There's also, I think, it's one of the last episodes where he's Helen Keller and he's up to her and he's just like, you have three seconds to get him away from me before I quit. Oh, uh, yes, Lucille is great. And uh, we promise this will not just be us saying jokes to each other. But, because that's very easily what could, this could turn into. Uh, we have intern Josh, who in the first season is just very, very depressing 
And the, I think it's very clear that the writers are like, you know what? This is this is too depressing. And they gave Josh a girlfriend and things kind of pick up and they actually kind of have a nice payoff at the end. Uh, we also have producer Grant, who may or may not be a sociopath. And we also have Forrest's wife, Suzanne, who is an important supporting character as well. Uh, Forrest's wife, Suzanne, I would say she's like the conscience of the show in so many ways because – she sees that her husband has clearly gone insane uh, with the things that he is doing. And essentially what is happening is like he is doing all of these reviews, but he is taking it to such lengths that it is costing him relationships. Like he's getting divorced. He's killing people. He's going out on a boat and ending up stranded, things like that. So it's, it's absolutely insane what he's doing. And Suzanne is like, you, you, you really need to stop. And he just, won't stop and his obsession is what is kind of carrying him through uh these three seasons it has to be to me like what it's like living with somebody with an addiction you can tell that person all you need to stop you can bring it to their attention how bad it is for their health it can ruin their relationships their marriage their friendships and everything but the person themselves has to want to stop for it to work and when you have Grant, who I think if if he's not a sociopath, he's at least an enabler needling somebody along. It, it's only going to reinforce that that addiction. And obviously, Suzanne had to be the person that said, OK, obviously it was a review that got them divorced. But I think it made her realize how much happier and healthier it was for her to just be away from him and continue her life. And I think there's a lot of people with those in their lives with addictions or obsessions and things like that where you eventually just have to step away and take care of yourself. So as funny as it was to watch a lot of that play out, I think that it's it's very harrowing. And I think people who have those in their life like this can find that to be extremely relatable. I also love that they show the clip like one million times of Suzanne telling Forrest that he's going to die alone. <laughs> I think she called it. I uh, I very much think so as well. I think... This is obviously meant, this is a Comedy Central show, so it is very funny. But I think for us as well, like, review culture has been an important part of our lives just because this is how professional wrestling matches are rated. Whether you agree or disagree with that, like, this is an important part, and star ratings get debated and discussed all the time. And one of the things that I was so excited for you to watch was... And uh, maybe we could get to this later is the the six star review, which we'll talk about later. But just in terms of review culture, how do you think what did you think of the show's approach to review culture? Uh, I think it's it's interesting because a, a lot of times it'll be like his experience and what he's saying in the star review don't necessarily match up, uh, which I think is very funny. And I, it's, I think it's just a, so it's a totally different thing than other review culture. I think when it comes to people reviewing movies or games or wrestling or, or what have you, you kind of realize what kind of person whose tastes you most align with. And that's who you end up sort of following along with. Even if you don't agree 100 percent of the time with them, you can use them as a guide of like, you know, what should I watch? What should I not watch? What what do you think will be worth my time? And you and then over time, you kind of learn how your tastes vary from them and you can go from there. A lot of the experiences Forrest is reviewing aren't necessarily you can't necessarily mimic in your own life. So while review culture in general is is sort of leading our taste for us, it's sort of like with with Forrest, it's 
we're subjecting you to these terrible things that we can't experience ourselves just so we know what it's like for other people to do it. It's almost less about review culture than it is about like YouTube culture or social media culture where you want to watch other people in these predicaments in real life because it's just more it's it's interesting and you're sort of like the the viewer the the uh, of it instead instead of the person being in the moment itself i i definitely agree with a lot of what you said there and what i think in terms of review culture i would agree that it's it's it becomes much much less about that but i just think that the, the framing device of the star ratings and whatnot it, it just naturally leads to that kind of conversation. The other thing that's worth noting about this show is the fact that even though nobody was watching it, it still got to 22 episodes. And I think a lot of that is because the critical feedback was so positive on it. So it's ironic that a show called Review had a lot of great reviews, and that's kind of what pushed it to get uh, a proper finale. So can you explain to me how that worked? Because season one and two are you know, 10, 11 episodes, and then the last season's only three episodes. Did that it, did that final episode have three episodes for a reason? Did it air on Comedy Central or was it on the internet? How did that all work out? So it did it did air live on Comedy Central, and I believe that the they they gave them the last three episodes as kind of a you know you can end this here's some money just end this the way that you want to. So that's I, I'm not going to say it was charity because you know it's 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 a capitalist it's it's a corporation but i think that they 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 like the show so much clearly that they were like we're not just going to cancel you we're going to let you finish this show the way that you want to and clearly this is a finish that they had in mind like the way that they ended the third the third episode of the third season like the, it's very very clear to me that that's how they wanted to to end it and you could argue like the first season could have been a finale the second season also could have been a finale but you could not end this show any more perfectly uh than you did i completely agree uh like the the cliffhangers of both season one and two were uh, were awesome and made me very excited to tune into the first episode of the next season uh, but I think the way it ends is honestly pretty perfect. And I think it does. I know you'll ask this later, but it does, I think, call into question the cancel too soon title of this podcast episode. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And I think coming into this, I was like, you know, I think this was canceled too soon. And there, there's still a part of me that, that thinks that they could have taken this even a little bit farther, just in terms of because of the limitations and the fact that they were trying to tell a story. I feel like we didn't get as many like fun one-offs. Like they could have gone in some really crazy directions and it feels like because of the way that things turned out, like every single review they did almost had to have some sort of a, a quote unquote plot connection. But like one of my favorite segments was the one where Forrest ends up on a boat just by himself. And that doesn't have any plot implications, but it was just a really funny segment and kind of torturing Forrest to an extent. But it was just really funny. And like even the AJ segment where AJ gets to take over and, and be the host, like even to that extent, that was true as well. But yeah, this was I, I, I kind of wish that we had gotten a little bit more one-offs and I think that would be my one critique, but you know, again, given the fact that it's like, we are not, we are very, very little watch show. We got to try to get in what we can. I totally understand why they told the story that they did. And basically, 
you know, especially the last three episodes, just getting all this quote unquote plot into it. I, I do get it. Yeah, I think it's the great thing about like it's you're going against what your instincts are or pivoting expectations when you go into some of those reviews. Like the boat one where the review is him having a relaxing boat ride and he falls asleep and ends up abandoned for six months. You couldn't have seen that outcome coming. At least I couldn't. You know, I obviously I think by that point you learn that the show, like not everything is what it seems on the surface. And that, I think, is what kept me so engaged in the show. Like it's sort of that perfect sweet spot where Comedy Central, like they do a Key and Peel or something else, can upload each individual review to YouTube and get the hits that way, get the views that way. But it's really when you watch it as a whole, whether it's the episode or the season and everything is everything works together and coincides. Uh, it really offers the best of both worlds, the, a, a digestible world for the Internet, but a really fulfilling show if you watch watch it episode by episode or season by season. And, yeah, it's it's those off the beaten path ones like when when I look at an ep- the thing I like most is when I'm looking at the episode listing on, on on like the DVD, they'll tell you, like, you know, episode one, it'll line up the three or four reviews inside. I can see what reviews are coming, but I have no idea what to expect. And I think that's awesome. Same thing, like if you go on YouTube and you click on a review of. You know, uh, a relaxing boat ride. You have no idea what's in store for you. For sure. Uh, so let's talk about. I, I just kind of want to go season by season, and talk about some of the general highlights. Kind of what happens between Forrest and his wife, that we could talk about like kind of the ramifications of each. And we are going to talk about like what our kind of our three favorite, three favorite segments are. So the first couple episodes, we we see Suzanne briefly, um, including. We see she sees Forrest in bed with a sex doll, uh, and then it comes to a point when someone asks Forrest what it's like to get a divorce, and he explores every potential out, but he ultimately gets divorced from his wife of 14 years. So that's kind of where the show really begins, is in episode three, I would say, and that's not to say the first two episodes are unfunny, but they're very much just kind of setting up the premise, and then the third episode is like, well, now now's when things are going to get weird. And then in the very next episode, things get even weirder when Forrest McNeil dresses up as Batman. And you you had a you had a feeling on him as Batman. Did I? You did. You said he was the third best Batman. <laughs> I did, didn't I? I thought I said second best. Oh, you know what? I didn't because I thought it was second best. But then I remembered Abed from Community would be number two. And then obviously Will Arnett as Lego Batman would be number one. So, so what about Christian Bale and Robert Pattinson? And- uh, you know, I, I mean, if you want to bring up, um, oh God, what's his name? Kevin Conroy. I'd accept that. So, like, you know, two A, two B, maybe with him and uh, and and Abed from Community, but Forrest, Forrest McNeil, a solid number three for sure. And uh, your Diedrich Bader erasure is not is not appreciated either, especially. Oh goodness, I d- yeah, I did Diedrich Bader dirty. I how did you? How because he's been Batman on the most kids of kids Batman animated shows and the most adult of Batman animated shows. Two A, two B, two C. There you go. All right, and the funny thing is, is that on Harley Quinn, Andy Daly plays Two Face, so it all comes together. That is such a great choice. It is, isn't it? Have you? By the way, watch Harley Quinn if you have not done. So. I haven't, but I've but I've I've heard the things. I've seen the 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 clips. Yeah, it's uh, it it looks like it's a show to to be watched for sure. Before we go any further, though, I feel like episode three, pancakes, divorce, pancakes, is 
probably the most iconic episode of the show. Yeah, I feel like if any if any episode of the show you if you've seen it, it's it's this one because it is it's it's incredible. And it's like the one where like you know if you search review or whatever, you'll see like not oral histories, but like a look back on with interviews with Andy Daly or whoever talking about that episode and what went into it because it's so it's it's like emblematic of the show at large. And it's something where uh, like it's it's uh, it's 100 percent one of my favorite episodes of the show, if not my favorite. But it's not even one where I can say like, oh, one of these is my top three segment because you have to watch all three. You have to watch the whole episode to get that whole appreciation for it. And that's sort of how I felt about a lot of these episodes where there's some really great reviews, but they don't make my top three because it's the whole episode that makes it, which I think is a good thing. So, yeah, I think that's again, that's that's a strength of the show in general. But yes, episode three, like if you've likely seen any clips from it or an episode, it's most likely to be that one. I also think it's one of those situations where if you are in on this show and you like what the show is doing, episode three is is an important checkpoint like that is the one that is really going to determine like whether you are going to watch the rest of the show or not. Either you're in or out. I, episode three also has one of my favorite lines during the divorce is when he's explained her divorce and she realizes he isn't kidding. And she's asking why. And he's like, does there need to be a reason? And that killed me. That's a, that's a really good one. I feel like it's a, it's another metaphor <laughs> for, for, and, for all of life. And I will say, this is the point in the show where I was like, why is he not telling her? Like, does she not know about the show? Why is he not explaining that he's doing this for a review? And then, like, you kind of wonder, like, I guess it's because it would compromise the experience or this and that. But, you know, by episode 10, I it, it helped. But there was part of me during this whole thing where I was like, I feel like there's there's something I need answered here about, like, you know, if she why would isn't it in her head first that she asked for a divorce because of the show? Yeah, I think that's I'm really glad that they did address that towards the end of the season. But I think it's actually funnier that they didn't in like the first few episodes so that they did make you question, like, what the hell is going on? But as an audience member, I could see that being kind of a turnoff as too. definitely. And like you said, this is like a good gut checkpoint. Like if you if if you watch this episode and you don't think it's funny or you feel nothing like get out because that's this is the show. Or if it's too dark, because right. this this is definitely a checkpoint for becoming too dark. It gets way darker, I think. Oh, it, it definitely does. But <laughs> if, the, if it's too dark at this point, oh, yeah, forget about it. But when we go two episodes later and <laughs> Forrest takes his father-in-law into space and he just out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, the gravity gives out and he just flies in the air and dies. It's just absolutely... Jack, and I think one of the thing, one of my critique, one of my other critiques of the show is I almost wish they did not cast Fred Willard to be his father-in-law because Fred Willard is very funny. But I think part of the magic of the show is that almost everybody else is kind of an unknown, or they at least they were an unknown at the time. Like Jason Manzukas has a has a cameo at one point, and like he was more of an unknown in 2014, 15 compared to 2022. So there's nothing you can do about that. But Fred Willard is somebody that, you know, we've discussed on, on these podcast airwaves before. So I, I almost wish that they had cast somebody who was an unknown, but my goodness, the fact that, you know, Jack was, and it's one of those things where you see it coming because Jack's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put in a good word for you. And so, you know, something is going to happen, but just the way it happens and the fact that he dies, it's just, it, 
absolutely incredible what happens. And then to have, like, even the post credit scene, like, they show a deleted scene from them in the spaceship, and the fact that Forrest, in just one of the best pieces of writing and performing on the show, is like, I give space travel a very somber five stars. <laughs> this is definitely one of my top three favorite segments, is him going into space. The Especially, I think, it's funnier because it's all the footage from, like, the static cam in the, in the spaceship where you see him get launched in the ceiling, and Everyone's horrified, but as the trip goes longer and longer, they're just used to the dead guy floating in the air. So you see them still, the one couple getting engaged or them just sort of carrying on as, and Fred Willard like floats by the camera as he's proposing. So they kind of miss it. It's so well done and it's so funny. And it's, it's the, it's a perfect amount of darkness in the humor and just the way he's shot like a projectile into the ceiling. It's the best 100% a top three segment for me. Uh, so eventually Forrest finds out that his wife is bleeping his divorce attorney. And the reason that I say bleeping is because every time they use the F word, they they bleep it. And I have to be honest, in some ways, I think it's actually funnier when they bleep the swears out in a lot of ways. Because it just, it adds something to it. Like, just hearing all the F-bombs, like, you could do that if you want to. Even on a lot of basic cable a lot of shows are doing it now, but I think in comedies, when you bleep out the F word, I think it's funny. I completely agree. And it's a, it's a, it can be used as a really good tool to, to enhance the humor. And it definitely worked there. And like on Arrested Development, like you would never see their mouths, even when they, when they decided to drop a swear. Like, I really appreciated that too. Oh God. Yeah. When you get like a character like Buster going off and you see like the response, like Lucille's face or Michael's face or something, that's what makes it funny. But just the first three seasons of Arrested Development, we don't talk about the last two. Right. There, there was, there was two other seasons. Hey, uh, maybe not. Uh, did you uh, did you have any hot takes on uh, episode seven, Professor Romer? No, just when uh, the explosion in his car was so hilarious, and that actor, oh god, oh he plays a homeless man episode league. That's how I know him. He was he was hilarious. It is uh, it's pretty amazing, and it's a. Uh, we also I I kind of wish that we had gotten more of AK being <laughs> just doing whatever she was doing, but. Man, it's just, it's a really, really hilarious revenge moment for her because she's the one that gets basically pooped on. And like, she's yes. the one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I also love that in this episode, Forrest gives revenge five stars. And then because AJ gets pooped thrown on her, and then the segment continues, then it becomes one star. <laughs> yep. Love it. Uh, I also love that they bring Professor Romer back in the final segment of episode seven, which is, I think if you're talking about kind of more one-offs, they're all is aching is a really funny one just because it was misunderstood as a, as an account versus um, an actual sentence. And just the way that that segment just absolutely devolves and Forrest eventually ends up in a mental institution. Uh, that's a really, really funny one. I really like they're all is aching, even though it technically doesn't make sense. But just the way that that all pays off and what like what he ends up supposed to be doing would have it, it was just it was great. Oh, it's it, it's this definitely a, a, another dark humor thing and uh, a great cameo by Emo Phillips in that as well. Absolutely. So somehow Forrest 
both marries into a cult and then gets married to someone and then starts a cult of his own in season two. So it's funny how cults are are such an important part of this show. I wonder if Andy is I wonder if Andy Daly is a big cult person. In terms of like following them or being into them? Following not literally following them, but following like what cults do. Like not News being about part it. of it. Yeah. Yeah, this is one that I think falls into like the you have to watch this episode as a as a whole. And it's so great. That actress, the the redheaded comedian, I can't remember her name, but she's she's great. That's the thing, like you were saying about Fred Willard is like there's a lot of unknowns, but a lot of them are like character actors. And that's how we know them. And she's somebody who is like she's big in a show that like we don't watch, but I know her from other stuff. And she was wonderful as like the teacher who Forrest sleeps with when he misinterprets a review and then becomes his wife. It's awesome. Yes, I, I will say that the casting on this show is is so excellent for the most part, just the way that they're able to nail down every role, like just the level of specificity and the writing like AJ is kind of a throwaway role at times and she doesn't really get that much to do. And like to the point where I'm glad they gave her like her own segment in in season three and like the payoff is that she was going to get her own travel show. So I really like that they kind of paid her character off well. But I, I just wish that in in an in a scenario where this does get to go like four or five seasons of, you know, 10 to 13 episodes, then maybe you do get to explore whatever AJ, whatever's going on with AJ. And I think that would have been really interesting and 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 the other supporting characters as well. But, yeah, the casting on this show is is really, really good. Yeah. Lennon Parham is the name of the actress, by the way. She she was in a, the show Playing House, which I hadn't seen, but it kind of aired at the same time. She was also had a recurring role in V, but she's also done like one-offs in Mad Men, Arrested Development, things like that. So yeah, she's all over the place. And then in episode nine, the big finale of the first season, which originally was written as kind of a series finale in case they did not get picked up. We do find out that Susan discovers why Forrest has been doing everything he's done because of the show. And Forrest decides to quit because of it, kind of a dramatic ending but who would have thought a segment called Being Irish would send everything into chaos? Exactly. And that brings up, man, I think maybe it, this might be in my top three. Like, it's weird. I have I have a solid two and the third sort of revolving. But I think quitting your job is up there with one of my top three and him getting the verbiage to quit and having to like after falling in love with his job as a barista and having to to do that to the old man who runs the shop and he uses that verbiage and then again uses the same exact verbiage on Grant when he quits and punches him in the face. Such good writing. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's set up, set up and payoff. And, you know, you could argue that they paid it off like multiple times because they had him write down the speech and then he delivers it in the barista. And that could have very easily been it because you're paying off that segment. But then to bring it back at the end of the episode, uh, that's why watching these things in order really does make a difference. And, you know, you can watch maybe one or two of these segments on YouTube and it's kind of funny. But again, each episode really does ma- matter in some ways. And I think that that's th- that can that does have its positives and negatives. Like when you're sitting down to binge watch it and you see like these different things paying off, it's really great. But on a week to week, I could see that kind of being disadvantageous. Yeah. Like I said, I think the the fact that I sat down and watched everything in order made it a, a, a really 
fulfilling experience more than it would have been just watching out of order sequenced clips on YouTube. Again, you can and still get enjoyment out of it, but it's but it's watching everything together that makes it all the more fulfilling. Are there, is there are there any other moments from season one that you would like to highlight? Because I mean, again, we could go back and forth and just talk about our favorite jokes, but right. I don't I don't necessarily want us to do that. But if there's anything else that's really important to you, um, just highlight it now. Nothing, nothing too huge. I do think you know, obviously, Forrest getting divorced and kind of realizing you know is the show worth it at the end was a great payoff. I thought it was again again good to explain. In, in that segment with his wife confronting him why he doesn't explain why he uh, why he doesn't say when things are reviews or not. And she comes to that realization on her own and he can't bring himself to break the review of being Irish to tell her earnestly if that was why he did it or not. And it costs him and it goes to show how how much his life he's doing the show for great expense of his own personal life. And this is just the beginning of what's to come later. But yeah, season one, I bought in and it didn't. I immediately had to know what happened next and started season two. Uh, but no, no real like big takeaways from it. I think they also kept things really nice and concise with the cast. Like the recurring characters don't ever get to be too large. Yeah. I think that's, that's hugely important. And they do, they do add characters along the way, but it definitely is primarily focused on, the core that I mentioned at the beginning. I also wanted to mention uh, the idea of being a racist, a half star, and just the way that segment starts. It's, it's very surface level, but then at the end of that segment, they really do kind of get into something uh, with his next door neighbor, Gary, and just like the subtle ways that maybe Forrest is a racist and <laughs> kind of hinting at the ways that, you know, we all like, everybody's a little racist. Like it's a famous line. It's kind of true in some ways. I for, so I forgot that was season one. That's a hilarious segment, too. And I think that if I would have to imagine that's probably one of the highest watch segments isolated on YouTube for the show. Like, I feel like if you type in review into YouTube, like that's going to be one of the ones that comes up because the conceit is very funny and it's immediately interesting to watch just based on the title alone. But I also like is that's the episode where it's established that half a star is the bottom. He refuses to do zero stars. And even AJ's like Forrest, it's racism. It can be like if there's anything you could give zero stars, it would be this. And he can't. He has his he has these weird rules about the show that he has to stick to. And half a star being the lowest review he can give is one of those. And it begins with racism here as that being the sticking point. So now that's in my head as I'm watching this, like, okay. If anything gets a half a star, that's as low as he possibly goes. Yeah, it's a great way of establishing the rules for the show because, again, that's something that occurs in episode two. But it's uh, it's pretty funny stuff. And and it, and it's a perfect encapsulation about how, like, for some reason, Forrest is so inflexible about his job and review as a whole. Uh, season two, we do get the idea of a veto booth introduced. And uh, I love the the veto booth music and the fact that AJ is so goddamn excited for the veto booth to be used. Yeah, she gets so excited when the possibility comes up. It's it's fantastic. Uh, so Forrest, they, they don't want to kill Forrest, so they decide to introduce this veto booth. So in the first episode of season two, Forrest punches a guy and gets shot. I love when... Uh, when the cop is like, yes, it happened again. That's uh, that's pretty funny stuff. Uh, we also get Forrest falling in love with his nurse, Marissa, in the first segment. And then blackmailing her in the next one. And Marissa ends up shooting the ceiling. A lot of gunplay in this first episode of the second season. 
Mar- uh, blackmail is my is one of my top three. Uh, just just him so close to losing his wife yet again is abandoning his relationship through the show and blackmailing his partner because his world is so small and he knows that this is it. He's going to throw away yet another good thing for the for the sake of the show. And it's played out in an incredibly funny way. And there's just he just can't let things go. It's it's hilarious. Definitely a, a, one of my top two. But then he is able. To, but then he is able to find pleasure in the very next segment, Glory Hole, which the subtle ways that they play with, like who may be the person that is <laughs> giving pleasure to people, is really great. And, and I love the fact that they don't come out and say that it's the janitor, but it's very clearly the janitor. And I really appreciate the fact that they don't hammer that home. It yeah. It, it, you basically you just see him wearing knee pads, and that's all you need to know. Uh, and I love that he just assumes it's a woman on the other side of it. Again, goes to show how close-minded and narrow he is, uh, and how he uh, uh, loves the glory hole. It's so funny. But then the funny thing is that the first segment of the very next episode, so clearly you know that they're planning this, is curing a gay. That's their phrasing, not mine. Curing (laughs) a gay is... And yeah, it's just, it's really, really great that like the very the next segment of the next episode kind of is a is a connection to the final segment of the first episode of the new season. It is. And that's a, curing a gay is one of my contenders, too, for top three. And again, it's when he when he talks to the gay person he's trying to cure again and he's talking about finding someone. And it's very clear that he embraced his gayness and ended up getting with another man and forced things that he got with a woman and he cured him of his gayness. Any, anytime two people are talking to each other and they're not understanding each other is a really funny thing for me. I think it's why a movie like big Lebowski works. Uh, but yes, curing a gay person. So funny. So we do get forced meaning a stripper that is named shampoo and ultimately ends up breaking up with her. Just, Lots of tragedy and a lot of one-offs with these girlfriends. And I can only imagine the fun the writers and Andy Daly had in just figuring out, like, how they were going to get Forrest McNeil with these various women and how uh, he would break up with them. Just, it's it's pretty funny stuff. And, like, the fact that he has multiple girlfriends and somehow he is able to also burn down two of his father's houses in this season to the point where his father is living at the office too is uh it's pretty amazing and and this the uh joining the mile high club segment is is hilarious as well yeah and that's that's a really good one again that's not that's not the most plot heavy one but that's that is a really good one off and yes. i really see I'm somebody who is really fascinated by Colts. So anytime you do anything with a Colt, you're you're going to very much get my attention. So the fact that Forrest starts his own cult and it is living a five-star life, it's just chef's kiss. Like, is it a little bit obvious? Maybe. Is it perfect also? Yes. So I, so I messed up because I forgot there was a Colt episode in season one again in season two. So Lennon Parham is the woman in the season two one, the Mrs. Greenfield when he has sex with her. Season one, it's a different actress who's also a character actor that I've seen in like 30 Rock and things like that. I also forget her name. It's weird. Forrest is married to a blonde, but twice now in Colts, he falls for redheads. Who knew? Even though they have no souls. <laughs> they have no souls. And the and his the woman he blackmails is uh, is brunette. So Forrest is just a, a, a man of the people, the women at least. 
definitely. So we also, at one point, we do get uh, Forrest is catfishing as Ace Thrift. It's it's amazing how quickly catfishing entered the lexicon. Like, I don't think... It's one of those weird things. Like, Catfish was a documentary that came out in, like, 2010. But the term, even by 2015, when this show aired, was completely ubiquitous. And that's that's pretty amazing to me. Yeah, I had heard of catfishing, I feel like, well before even the Catfish, like, documentary came out. I feel like it was in, like, high school and stuff, I at least had heard about it. Because I was on at least like aiming stuff in middle school and then was more into, you know, through uh, message boards and stuff into the internet culture by high school, much to my detriment, obviously. But yeah, like the fact, it definitely was for sure a ubiquitous term by this point. There was even an MTV show, I think about catfishing as well. Yes, there was the MTV show that I believe is still airing. It's like the one TV show that MTV airs on a weekly basis that isn't a movie or whatever their fake reality shows are. I thought it was Robin Big was the show they played like 24-7. I I don't even know. And do do you honestly think that I ever watched MTV? Like even, even when I was a kid, I never watched MTV. Jerome, with the amount of music knowledge you don't have, it is very clear to me you did not watch much MTV or VH1 as a kid. Thanks. I, I appreciate that tremendously. Suzanne is also getting out there and dating. Uh, she is dating uh, Joe Dale Jr., who is a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He is not a real member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I looked it up. Thank you so, for answering that for me. I, I was genuinely wondering if this is an athlete they hired or just an actor to play. This was this was an actor. This was not a real member of the Dodgers. But I appreciate that it was it was plausible. So I give them a lot of credit for that. I'm also very upset that there is there is not an indie wrestler uh, out there named Ace Shrift. Yeah, kind of surprising. Like, that's a very indie wrestler name. Maybe if I do commentary again, I'll go by an alias. Uh, uh, so the, they're dating and they're canoodling. And there's even a point when Suzanne tells Forrest uh, that she is going to get married to him. And, of course, she is telling him while he is literally buried alive in a casket and yeah, I mean, it's it's just tremendously funny. Uh, this is also the same episode where AJ kicks Forrest in the balls twice. <laughs> a, a, a great isolated segment too, where she, where he's like, oh, I got to figure out where to get kicked in the balls, and AJ takes it upon herself to do it because she thinks it was by request, and then he realizes, oh, it's only his left ball he got kicked in, so she has to kick him again in the right one to get the full experience because it's about getting kicked in the balls, not a ball. Uh, so again, for the love of the show, she, she she kicks him in the nuts yet again. I'm sure that was also very cathartic. Another great isolated uh, review here. And again, you know, the Suzanne calling Forrest when he's buried alive is just a trend of his reviews getting in the way of his life and it only gets more severe. Yeah. It, uh, it only gets more severe in episode 17 when veto, when force vetoes his first review of the season, because they ask him to murder somebody. And that's when he's like, you know what? That's where I draw the line. He's done everything else. He's not going to murder someone. He also vetoes the idea of procrastination because he doesn't see how one can procrastinate. How you, how can you review procrastination? It's just, it's kind of a loop. It there, There's no way it could work. And then Forrest is then once again asked to murder someone. And this is, this is definitely one of those things where it's becoming clear that maybe they're messing with him. Like it's kind of, they're kind of been doing it throughout, but this episode, it really feels like, okay, somebody is messing with Forrest to the point where they're going to have him straight up murder a person. And 
So he has to kill somebody from an earlier segment. I also love that we get a legal disclaimer at the end of episode uh, 17 as well. Yeah, because that's one of those instances where he and this is the way I would have interpreted it if I was a, a good and just person was he vetoed the review of being of of killing a person. So if that review ever comes up again, it's it's a continuous veto. Uh, but no, apparently it's only per review. So the person submits it again. I love they have the meeting with his producer, Grant. And this is where you see that Grant is telling him not to do it, but also using language that would encourage Forrest to go through with it for the betterment of his show and his legacy. And then you see that again in later episodes. But you you clearly see what what Grant, how Grant is manipulating Forrest into doing things like this that are obviously for the worst of Forrest in his life, but would be really good for the TV show um, and those sociopathic tendencies and and uh the him living his life by the eight ball and looking like he's just masturbating in public is also hilarious <laughs> oh man so forrest gets uh, arrested in the next episode and then that leads up to the season two finale which it's it's it is probably my favorite episode of the entire series just because they make all of these connections. They bring kind of everything that's happened in the previous 19 episodes. And it's one of those things where I can't tell if this is how they planned it, but the fact that they bring everything together, connect all the times he's almost died. And the fact that Forrest comes to the realization that Grant may be trying to kill him. And Kevin, this is one of the instances where the review segment that he's doing is actually helping him because he, ha- he is asked to, about a conspiracy theory, and he identifies the conspiracy theory that may be going on in his own life. Again, putting things together, even telling Suzanne about it. Uh, Grant responds by saying there is no conspiracy. Uh, Forrest tries to go on the run. And the end of the second season is he and Grant going over the edge into the water. And uh, we we don't know where they are at the end of season two. Forrest may be dead. Like, it's very possible. Uh, he's not, but like that's the way that they end season two with him possibly dying and AJ being the one to end season two. Yeah, it's great that they make all the connections together. And when I'm looking at the menu for the DVD and, and it just says the final episode of season two and it just says conspiracy theory and there's no other reviews. I'm like, well, that's really interesting. And again, it's all those breadcrumbs are there to make it completely plausible for forced to think that this has all been a ploy to try to get him to die and, and connecting all those things together. Uh, it, it's, it's a heck of an episode and it comes after another episode where he's in prison the whole time. And that is both funny, but very harrowing. Yeah. And, and, oh, and him having, what's it like to be happy all the time. And that's when Suzanne tells him that he wants to waive visitation rights for two months. And because he's happy all the time, he has to pretend like he doesn't care it's a lot of darkness in these in these last few episodes, but there's just enough humor to make it uh, watchable. Very, inter- very interesting and another really incredible cliffhanger as they go over and basically fall off a cliff in so many ways. Yeah, for sure. And there, there's there's a lot of other funny. There's some other funny segments as well. Uh, Alone time in a rowboat, I think, is one of my favorites. Um, perfect body, just so a lot of visual humor in Perfect Body, but also public speaking where Forrest has a meltdown and causes the Los Angeles Dodgers player and Suzanne to break up. Also, uh, some funny stuff. That is, this show has some top tier cringe humor. 
and that the public speaking at her funeral and revealing that he catfished her and Joe was unfaithful and not being honest with her is right up there with some of the best cringe humor this show has to offer. Yeah, I think that might be one of the reasons why people don't like the show, perhaps. I think cringe humor is very specific and like it's one of those things where you can either embrace cringe humor or you can't. And if you can't, then boy, is this 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 is not the show for you. Not at all. But if you do like uh, cringe humor, this has it in spades. For sure. So we did not talk about this earlier, but the way that season two ends, AJ gives uh, the idea of being hunted six stars. And this is a a continuation of a joke that came uh, earlier on in the run of the series where they talk about uh, Force giving something six stars. And uh, Kevin, as uh, as somebody who has given star ratings before, what what were your feelings on the six stars? Do you think think Dave Meltzer was watching? It was like, there it is. (laughs) <laughs> I I hate when scales are broken because then it sort of throws into disarray the entire reviewing system. If you break your own system, then what do you even what does that even mean? But I think the fact that it was AJ who did it and that force tried to preserve the uh, the integrity of a system by renaming the show and being able to give six stars made it much easier to watch. But in general, like if you have a scale. Stick to it, people. I, you you have to have your own you have to have your own integrity. But uh, again, because I think Forrest both tried to change the show to give something six stars, and then AJ does it on her own. I think it works very well. So Forrest is a, a generally terrible human being who puts his job above everything else, and you know is is not somebody that you respect. But in this one instance, Kevin, you admire him for having standards. No doubt about it. All right, so. Season three, they kind of take some shortcuts. I think one of the big questions that I had coming into season three and watching the first episode, why did Force come back? Was that something that was on your mind as well? No, because I think this sh- again, he this like he's addicted to this show. He, what else? He's lost the everything because of it. It's really the only thing he has. So I, so I think you can see in this last season, it's preserving his legacy, doing something he feels is for the greater good. The 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 misguidedness he has about his work and who he is and his purpose, I think leads him back to the show. So I didn't really give it that much thought, to be honest with you. When uh, the Locarito taco segment was going on, did you think of the Simpsons episode where Homer ate a really old sandwich or the clerk's cartoon episode where Leonardo is eating the old burritos? Oh gosh. I would say more of the clerk's cartoon, but it, but it was so funny because part of me wondered like, that's pretty genius to use a marketing campaign. Uh, to get on uh, for a review of the show and then the the twist where he goes and the it's out of business and he has to find a hoarder to give him this old burrito uh, again just again playing with your expectations and twisting what seems like a simple review into something you don't expect was hilarious especially then when he has to go to trial and then he shits himself and pukes on somebody behind him naturally there's a lot a lot of puking on this show too <laughs> uh, were you nervous for the euthanasia the pet euthanasia segment Oh my God, I was sweating bullets at the beginning. There's I was like, no way they were ever going to kill a dog. But There's here's the thing. thing. I was like, if that MF or Jerome didn't warn me that this was going to happen, we're going to have some words. Kevin, but, that, but then I, I went the route that we, that uh, a different route and it was plenty. Okay. If, if there is any threat of a dog dying, I think you know me enough to say, you know me enough to know that I'm going to tell you like, 
like there's some TV shows. Like if you tell me you're going to watch it and I know that there's dog peril, then I will tell you the dogs are not going to be okay or the dogs are going to be okay. Yes, I, I hope so. Like if there's ever dogs in like Better Call Saul or something, I'm getting nervous. <laughs> like there's this show, The Old Man. Have you ever heard of this show, Kevin? No. So it's an FX show and two of the most prominent characters are, are dogs. And one of the things that the show goes out of its way to show is Jeff Bridges takes the dogs to a pet hotel. We see the dogs go into the pet hotel, so we know that they will not be in any danger in the final two episodes. That's how far TV shows have to go to show the dogs are not going to be hurt. And I feel like we have John Wick to blame slash thank for this. What does it say about us that, like, killing human beings, that's cool, but it's pets where we, we can't handle? I mean, I could say it, but... I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> that, that, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. So in terms of uh, the third season, again, it's only three episodes. Episode 21, I think, has both one of my favorite segments and probably my least favorite segment. Uh, the co-host segment is absolutely tremendous with AJ kind of going off and doing her own adventure and AJ er, and Forrest having to stay back and kind of learning what it's like to be a co-host. The Helen Keller segment kind of is where I drew a line. I was like, you know what? This, this, it, it really just stopped being funny at a certain point. I didn't have that feeling, but I, it's, it's, it's yet another like, okay, it's the day of his trial and nobody saved him or nobody reminded him to maybe save this for another day or veto this review for this reason, just like the one with the burrito where he had to, to go to court. But yeah, obviously a bit more extreme and you could definitely argue on one side of the tasteless spectrum or not. All that to say the AJ segment is another one that that's a contender for one of my top three, especially the hilarity of like forced review of being a co-host talking over AJ's review that she did about uh, slapping someone's ass. Which she refused to do and good for her. Yeah, that's it. I didn't do it is is one of the best things. And again, it like forces like you can't do that. And he's like, why? Why can't you just not do it? What and nothing happened? Tr- the world the world kept spinning. The show's still going. Uh, well, for one more episode anyway, as uh, we go to cryogenics, <laughs> I <laughs> I kind of wanted to see what the show would do with like him going 100 years into the future. But so did I. But I lo- I also love that they did it, that he completely misinterpreted what cryogenics was. It's uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty great stuff. And then we get lightning and then uh, Suzanne comes in and asks him not to review anything ever again. Uh, enforced vetoes it. He has unlimited vetoes. He said at the beginning of the season that he would not use the veto button, though. But in this case, he does because he wants to keep reviewing and then pranking the prank. Kevin, what a just chef's kiss, the perfect payoff, the prank is that he is going to be uh, the show's going to be canceled because nobody's watching it. This is this is one of the rare times that one of our canceled too soon shows has talked about being canceled because of low ratings within the context of the show. So I think that's worth mentioning. And everybody is gone. AJ is gone. She's going to go do her travel show. Grant is gone. And it's just forced alone in the studio reviewing things for the rest of his life with no TV show. That's that's how it ends. And what an incredibly depressing, but also hilarious ending. And I love that AJ is so mad and disappointed him for not for um, for vetoing uh, Suzanne's uh, review. 
But yeah, that's a tremendous ending to the show. And again, it just goes to show how far gone he is. And you get Grant more or less talking him into continuing to review to establish his legacy and make his son proud of him. And you get to see how disgusting he is and how far gone Forrest is. And I kind of like that he isn't cured by the end of this, that he almost came to his realization, but was so he was swayed back into it. And uh, he kind of gets what he deserves. See, the thing that amuses me so much is that they never make it clear whether Grant is actively trying to torture Forrest or whether this is more like he's just being passively aggressive towards him. Like, they never make that clear. And even when he's in the wheelchair, like, if you go to Reddit and whatnot, like, apparently his leg moved in one of the episodes. And it's like there's this possibility that he may just be faking his injuries or maybe fully recovered, but they never answer that. And I think that's, that's a really good thing. I don't think your, your show has to answer every question, but we got, we got a really, really good payoff. It's, it's pretty much the perfect ending to this show. Like I can't, I can't think of another way that you could have ended it. Like I think I would have been satisfied at the end of season one with that ending. I would have been satisfied at the end of season two with that ending, but the season three ending is perfect. I definitely agree. And that's like you asked the question, like, was it canceled too soon? I'm going to say no, like empirically. No, I don't think it was canceled too soon because we had a satisfying conclusion to the show. But you could argue that it was canceled too soon because they could have. Could they have done more? Sure. Like you could have probably kept the show going infinitely with the amount of reviews or ideas they would have had. But I'm kind of glad it didn't overstay its welcome and we got what we got. I am definitely glad that it didn't overstay its welcome. I, I always said I would much rather a show be canceled too soon than end up going too long. But I, I think this is one of those that could have had like if this had had like four seasons of like 10 episodes a piece or five seasons, I think that would have been perfect. I think Key and Peel ended up going like five seasons and 10 episodes. And I, I feel like that was that was perfectly calibrated and it really worked out. And again, I just would have kind of liked to have seen a little, some one-offs and some purely funnier segments. And I think that that's what I would have wanted to see from a longer run. But I, I, in no way do I think this would have gone 10 seasons and have a hundred episodes. I don't think you could keep this premise going for that long, but Andy Daly is really funny and he was really committed to the role. The writing of the show is really specific and really good. So it's a shame that this show did not get more credit than it did. And if nothing else, I wanted us to talk about this show so that hopefully more people will check it out because I think it is a show that is well worth examining and discussing because of how hilarious it is. And because I think, you know, I think Nathan Fielder is kind of playing in the same ballpark as as uh, Andy Daly is here. It's one of those shows that I could see kind of being like what Curb did, where they took a long time off. And it's like, all right, when we have ideas again, when we have concepts again, we can do a new season. I feel like Review is one of those shows where I, it would be great if Andy Daly could say to an HBO Max or another streaming service, like, hey, I've got an idea for another like six episode series. Let's get it out there and then. That'd be that. And then if you want to do another one years down the line, you know, whatever else, it's something you could come back to time and time again. I think that that would be fantastic. But as is as a whole, it's a really enjoyable 22 episode series and super easy to watch and and so good. All right. So, Kevin, what were your what are your three favorite segments? I know you've kind of mentioned them throughout, but what are your definitive three choices? I will say that it was definitely going into space. I'm, I don't know if I'm going to get the right names here, or he just says space. 
the blackmail. And then if I have to pick a third, if I can't just give like a thousand different uh, like a tiebreakers purely for maybe the uh, I, I guess, you know, being a co-host uh, slash the ass slap. I think those two go together might be my. Third yeah, favorite. those those two are definitely connected together. And uh, those are those are three really good choices. I think for me, my number three <laughs> is Alone on a Boat. I really, really like that one. Uh, number two, there all is aching. I think, again, just the randomness of that segment is is really funny to me. And if we are going by segment, I would say space is is my number one, just because I think that kind of stand stands on its own. The conspiracy theory is my favorite episode, and I guess you could technically say it's one review segment, but I'm not going to count it. That is that is my favorite episode, though. And for you, I'm assuming it's it's pancakes, divorce, pancakes, right? Yeah, I think so. I think maybe with a second watch of the show, there might be a different episode, like the episode where he where he starts the cult uh, and then has the perfect body is up there. Uh, the the conspiracy theory one is up there. The finale's up there. Uh, oh, William Tell is also a super underrated uh, segment as well. That actually might be my third. Oh my god! When he gets the arrow, two arrows <laughs> shot like directly into his shoulder. Yes, that's tremendous stuff. Yeah, I mean, again, we could go back and forth with jokes all day. That's not what we're going to do. Uh, this is a much shorter episode than a lot of our previous ones, and it's it is not a reflection of the quality of the show. It's just the nature of it, and really, this is a show that. You want to watch and appreciate the humor, the writing. There's so much good writing. If I had sat down, one of the things that I decided I was not going to do was I was not going to write down any lines from the show. Because if I had done that, I would have been doing that for ages and ages. But there are just some tremendous lines of dialogue. And Kevin, did you ever watch the Jerry Springer show when you were like a teenager or when you were younger? Never full episodes, but like enough to obviously get the idea behind it. Okay, so amid, there would be all this chaos, and then Jerry Springer would have his final thoughts. You you remember this part, right? Of course, yes. I that's what I thought of any time any time Forrest would talk about at the end, like the meaning of this review and the meaning of what he did. I couldn't help but think of that specifically because it's like, no, you're really not. You're you're just you're just up your own ass. Let's see. Yeah. Yes. And maybe uh, maybe it's time for for me to give my final thoughts on the show. All right, Kevin, go ahead and give your final thoughts. <clears throat> on its surface, review is a clever, funny show. No matter what the review is, you can never predict how it will turn out. And the way each review relates to the next and how over time it creates a narrative is nothing short of remarkable. But deep down, it's about a man who, by reviewing life, misses its meaning entirely. Life is about the shared experiences with the people you love. It's about living your life for them and yourself, not for others. And in reviewing life, Forrest pushed away the people around him and ended up with nothing. No wife, no son, no friends, and no show. It's a cautionary tale about what happens when you put too much meaning in your work and ignore life around you. I think it encourages all of us to live our lives deeply, not broadly, and to put meaning in the things in life that truly matter. The television show review five stars speaking of to things that truly matter in our lives kevin that is a perfect transition because we will be doing our final episode of real bad i i am saying that because i'm putting it out of the universe that i really 
I love Vince Gilligan. I love Peter Gould. I love these characters. But I really want next month to be the final episode of Real Bad. I don't want any more shows in this universe. I But I am so, so excited to be talking about this. As, as we are recording this, we have watched the first two episodes of the second part of season six. And they've been really excellent. I'm not going to say anything that's happened. But Kevin, I am so, so excited for us to be talking about the final season of Better Call Saul. So am I. It's we we did the first half of season six last month. We'll be doing talking the the second half next month. Uh, I'm I'm. It's going to be very bittersweet to put Better Call Saul behind us to hopefully put the Breaking Bad universe behind us. Like you said, I do love Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould, and I'm excited to see what happens next outside of the Breaking Bad universe. It's something we've lived in for a while. It's had its time, and I think uh, if, if everything comes together like we think it is, they're going to stick the landing like they did with Breaking Bad. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to dissect and discuss the final season with you next month. And I'm glad that we had this month intermission to do something far more lighthearted and fun in the meantime. Absolutely. And Kevin will be driving the car on that one as uh, that this this was one of our shortest episodes. And next month is probably going to be one of our longest. I will say, yeah, it, it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for way different reasons than this one was. Yeah, because we're going to talk about my predictions and how well I did and how well I didn't do. So, yeah, just a lot to look forward to for Kevin. My name is Jerome. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next month. I got a feeling that a uh, forced review of being a co-host might have been even lower if he was uh, a co-host of this very podcast. You are going to die alone.